Go ahead and grab that food and then uh, find your seat again. One thing I love about the vineyard is there's, um, we have a wealth of people here who can keep rhythm, which helps people like me that aren't so great at it just kind of join in. Um, I always feel like I'm a great singer here, even though I'm not, so it feels good. The fact is there, there, are, there are rhythms, patterns all around us all the time. Um, the, uh, the arrival of the, cic- the cicadas and their little whatever you want to call it, their song they sing. I remember my, my very first year here, and I was upstairs in the office, had my window open, and they were just going, and I thought, what is that? And I'd never heard anything. I remember holding the phone off for my mom so she could, she could hear what was going on, but they come and they go, and we have that rhythm, and when they come, it signals something, doesn't it? And it, it triggers our thoughts. We have the coming and going of the monsoons. Um, even here in Tucson, we have seasons. Um, I've been here at least long enough to know that I can notice when it's green and when it's not, whereas before I used to think it all looked the same. It doesn't. Our, our bodies have ingrained rhythms. If you don't think that's true, then any of you have traveled across the world and then had to deal with the jet lag know that our bodies have learned rhythms and they get thrown off and they have to find a new order. One that I take notice of every day early and late is the, the sun rises and the sun sets. Every day that rhythm takes place. We have the rhythm of school and homework and vacations for some of us. Um, For some here, I know it's the rhythm of the changing sports seasons, which brings order to your life, um, whatever that may be. could be our daily driving rhythm. Some of us have uh, very definite patterns. Every day is the same. It's the same drive. I remember at one point we had our kids at three different places, and my wife was really ill for a while, and so I was driving them all these three different places, um, and one of the two of the schools, they started like an hour apart, so I would take my son, we'd hang around the Lowe's for like 45 minutes every single day. We had this little routine that we would do, and it's, we get these rhythms in our life. Um, I don't know if you've ever been driving home, how many have done this, and you got there and you don't remember driving there? I mean, how many of us have done that? You're like, I don't remember making any of those turns. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Why? Because we get these rhythms that build into our life. As a matter of fact, um, rhythms, whether healthy or unhealthy, can get so ingrained in us that they happen without thinking about them, which is part of the goal in terms of our spiritual rhythms to happen in our lives. And as I said, there are healthy rhythms and there are unhealthy ones as well. Last week, I, I proposed two different approaches to life, um, which is what these boxes were about, the idea of balance, seeking balance in life, or seeking rhythm in life. And so we had these boxes up, each representing pieces of our lives, and there's more. We could all take an empty cardboard box and draw something else on it. Um, They they represent these various places in our life, and they exist. Uh, Many of them are are good things. They don't go away. They make up part of what our life is about. And we attempt, most many of us, to seek balance. So we take all these boxes, and we constantly are trying to balance them. And as we talked about last week, it's, it's, it's an impossible task because they constantly change size, they change weight, they, they keep changing order. Uh, people come along and throw ones in that we didn't expect or ask for, and it throws everything off. And this myth of creating balance in life is just that. It's a myth. And eventually, um, weariness and frustration um, are on that road of seeking balance. And we saw Jesus offers 
a different way for us. And we looked at Matthew chapter 6 last week, um, and uh, he talks about seek first the kingdom of God. Remember, he says, don't be anxious about anything. The idea here is take all these boxes and put them down. Put them down. Let go of them. Quit this balancing act. And then we remind that we're to trust them um, into his care. If we put them down, will anybody take care of them? And his promise is there that he cares for them, just like the sparrows and the, the lilies of the field. God cares about these things. He'll take care of them if we put them down. And then lastly, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. We talked about having the very first step towards rhythms in our life is to shift our focus from all this stuff, balancing it to just, he makes it simple. Seek me. Seek me above all things. Make that first and foremost. And the result is what he said. All these things will be added to you. And God begins to bring health and life and order to those places. Today, the, the, um, we would understand uh, tonight as we look at this, it's a challenge to do that, isn't it? It's hard to put them down. It's hard to leave them down because we put them down sometimes and we just gather them back up again. And what, is it, what does it look like to seek God first? How do we do that? Because day by day goes by and we're not. And then we go, oh, I need to put the Lord first. And what does that look like in my life? And we, we wrestle with making that come alive in our life. So how can we learn to leave the boxes in his hands? And how can we develop lives that are eventually actually characterized, even sometimes without thinking about it, lives that are marked by seeking him first above all things? We're having a right focus become such a part of us that we begin to not even think about it. How can we have lives that may have all these same boxes all there because they don't go away, and the same troubles that come our way because they don't always go away either, but yet a life that's not marked by weariness and exhaustion and frustration, but rather peace and trust and rest and purposefulness. Interesting, um, Jesus was really busy, and his life was full, and people were throwing boxes onto his pile constantly. And yet he moved through life with purposefulness, um, with, with a sense of, of order and rest, and he knew what he was doing, and he walked through it in a way much different than we do because he understood some rhythms in his life. So the answer for us, rather than looking for balance, um, is establishing and develop, developing rhythms in our life, daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, perhaps monthly, even yearly rhythms that we bring in place <clears throat> in our lives that foster lives that seek first God's kingdom. And then remember the promise, all these things will be added unto you. So I want to highlight three narratives from the word and that highlight the same three rhythms. All three narratives will highlight the same three three rhythms. And I'm going to just do a quick scan of these passages, uh, see the pattern of the rhythm that they present, um, which I believe are God-ordained rhythms that even God himself follows and then I'm going to, at the very end, just give us, um, I was like, just give me one little thing to do, just to, just to take one step, and I'll give you a few ideas, some, some basic stuff that we can all begin to put in place in our life in order to press us forward. So the first narrative comes from the Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the creation narrative. And how does it start? What's the first words? In the beginning, God created. God created. God goes to work, doesn't he? He goes to work creating. He, he comes out of a place of whatever was before, um, and he moves into a purposefulness and tension to begin to create. And God does a work. Um, 
as it's expressed through the book of Genesis 1 and then re-expressed in Genesis 2. And each day it says, he says, let there be. And he has this, this plan in mind. He's going to create something. He's working each day. Each part, as, as you go through that first chapter, everyone will end, says there was evening, and then there was morning. It was the first day. And then God starts the next day again. He says, let there be. And then there's evening, and there's morning the second day. And God goes to his pattern of, of working. And then at the end of each day, what does he do? There's resting. There's the stopping. He does his work. Then he ends evening, morning. The first day he ends, there's rest. Then he goes to work again. And it's this pattern of work and rest. And then his main goal, he creates Adam and Eve in his own image. And he creates them for what? Well, we discovered he creates them for purposefulness and impacting work. He gives them work to do. They're to, they're to, to care for the garden and cultivate it. And they're made for relationship with each other and with him. And I'm going to use the word community tonight instead of relationship, but they're made for community. And so God, he's creating these things. He's doing this work. He's taking these blocks of rest in between. And then he creates Adam and Eve because he desires relationship with them. And with God and with each other for them to enjoy it as well. Chapter 2, it begins, it says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done, and God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Isn't it? It's a weird thought to think of the creator of the universe resting, and it's not resting because he's worn out. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a this is done, and there's a sense of of accomplishment in this. He can he can sit and enjoy it. And so you see, at the very end of this, we have this, this, this God who has worked, then is a God who rests. Exodus chapter 31, verse 17, it's an interesting verse. It um, says, God rested from all of his labors, and it says he was refreshed. So if, if God needs refreshment, how much more do we need refreshment? Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, it's interesting. God rested, and it says he was refreshed. God himself rests. So we have these, these three activities, or, or better yet, these three rhythms that God actually, that show up in the very first story of creation. They're rhythms because they continue to repeat over and over again. And as, as a matter of fact, as when God creates a new community, Israel, most of their laws all speak into these three rhythms, rest, community, and work. Finding rest, the Sabbath just runs all through the Old Testament, talking about Sabbath. Community, it's all about relationship between God and his people and between one another, and then work, the things that they're called to do, the purpose that God's given to them. Interesting, um, I always wondered what was going on before Genesis 1-1. Do you ever wonder what was going on? Um, I know if you're a kid trying to think, there's no darkness, there's no light, so what do you have? I mean, those, those, those kind of thoughts are run through us. I think God was resting, personally. Because at the very end of he, in Hebrews, it says that we get to enter into a rest for eternity. It's this, this, this place of just peace with God. And I think that's where it began. And that's ultimately where God brings it again. And so God, out of a place, I think, of rest that enters into this work of creation. And then he creates community. And then he rests again. And he repeats this pattern over and over and over again. This, this rhythm emerges. Rest, community, and work. And you're going, well, I got community a little bit going, work's going. I don't know about that rest one. I haven't heard of that one before. Um, so those, those are our three. Rest, community, and work. 
can turn to 1 Kings 19. I'll read some of this, but it's a familiar story, but this is uh, uh, the same pattern seen in the life of Elijah. 1 Kings 19. Remember how the story starts? Verse 1 says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So Elijah was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness. He's, he's running away to hide. And he came and he sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And you remember the story as he's, he's sitting there, and he's, he's worn out, and he's tired, and he's done. And he's sitting there, and it says, He lay down, verse 5, slept underneath the tree, and an angel touched him. And I love this. You know what it says to him? It says, you got to eat. Why don't you eat? And so he looked next to him, and behold, there was a, a head of cake baked on hot stones. And there was a jar of water. So it says he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and says, Arise and eat again, because he hasn't had enough. He's still hungry, and he knows it. And so he eats again, and he rose, and he ate, and he drank. And then the story continues. Verse 9, he came to a cave, and he lodged in there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And I love this. He says, I've been jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The people of Israel, he's talking about everybody else. All the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, and they've thrown down your altars, and they've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And now they're seeking my life to take it away. I love how God is compassionate. He cares. He steps in relationship with people. God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and we we hear us. great strong wind toward the mountains and broken the pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he knew he heard something. The, the, the voice of God became, freshed him again. And he wrapped his face in the cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then it says, verse 15, it says, The Lord said to him, Go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. In verse 18, he reminds him, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. I think we, we, we know the story, don't we? We've heard it. Um, interesting, I think Elijah lacked rhythms. Um, he's like many of us. He, he was going and going and going and doing the work of the Lord. There was success in it, and sometimes that, that success actually leads us to just keep at it rather than, rather than engage in the kind of rest that we ought to get. And he's going, and finally, um, he's doing this. He's taking all the boxes, and he's balancing them, and finally they all come crashing down, and everything's coming apart, and he lets them all fall, and he runs away to hide because he's wiped out. And Jezebel puts a hit on him, and he's done. And like many of us have done before, um, I don't know if you ever get to the place you just crash. It's just, you're just, you're just done. And he crashes and just wants to run away. And I love it. What's the first thing God does? We saw it. He lets him sleep, 
and he gives them something to eat. Um, have you ever been so tired you just start getting stupid? You know, you just, you, you can't think straight, you're just, you're off, whatever it is. You can't see anything clearly, so Elijah rests. He just rests. I love it that God doesn't get after him. He doesn't make him do something. He doesn't try to confront him with what's going on in his life. He just says, you need to sleep, and you need to eat something. He lets him do it. And then what's next? You notice it? It's just community. Um, he, Elijah says, there's nobody. There's nobody. I'm all by myself. And so God steps in, and he provides relationship. He takes care of him. He intercedes him. He begins to speak to him. And then at the end, he reminds me, you know what? You weren't all alone, by the way. There's, there's a whole bunch of other people that care about me just like you do. And you, you forgot about them. So pay attention to them. And then God, at the end, gives him a job to do. He sends him on to work. Do you see it? There's rest. There's community. And there's work again. And um, when we don't get those in order, and we don't have them as a rhythm in our life, and it's like just work, um, we get like Elijah, and we just come undone. He was all about work and balancing boxes, and it just doesn't work. And so God in graciously steps in, and he resets him on these rhythms so that he can be healthy and make a difference. Final snapshot is Jesus, Luke 6. I read it earlier. So let me read it again and look for the same pattern, okay? In these days, Jesus went up the mountain to pray. All night he continued in prayer to God, and when the day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve whom he named apostles, and he names them there. In verse 17, he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast. They came near him to be healed of diseases. Those who were troubled with unclean spirits are cured. All the crowd sought to touch him for power, came out from him, and he healed them all. Notice the rhythm again. Jesus goes up on a mountain, and he does this frequently. Um, he goes away. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think um, he didn't tell the disciples where he was going because it says that they're looking for him sometimes. It's like he knows if they know where he's going, they're all going to follow him. And so Jesus even needs to get away from the disciples that time. And he gets away on a mountain for, for quiet, for rest, to, to sit with his father. And he does that first. And out of that place then, he begins to form community. He gathers these 12 around him, and he begins to name them, and he enters into this, this life of community with the disciples. And then it's from community that then he moves into this activity of work. Uh, John O'Hare and I talked about this rhythm uh, a little while back. We took these, these three pieces and broke them apart. Getting away in solitude and rest, coming into community, and then after those things are in place and happening as a rhythm, then uh, moving into ministry and work. Interesting, um, when Jesus moves from rest, um, he, like I said, he develops community next. His, his, uh, this rhythm is rest, but then it's community. And community is not just for them. It's for him. It's, it's two-way. Um, he, he, he benefits and grows from the disciples just as much as he gives into them. In his time of ministry, he was inundated with people. That's not community. That's, that's called, it wipes you out sometimes, and it drains you. Um, the crowds are important, but they're often a drain. And Jesus always made place for relationship. Community with the disciples as they walked or as they were in their boats or as they were in various homes. Um, he would often stop in the home of Lazarus with Mary and Martha, and it was like this, this, this 
place of refreshment that he would go to um, for community. They'd sit around a table and they would talk and they would be together and they would enjoy one another. They were his friends. He had genuine community. And as I said, from that place of rest and from life-giving relationships with each other, then he went to work. Um, and the work was tiring and it was ongoing and it's, it's, it's hard, but it was fruitful and it had impact and it was full of life. So rest, community, and work. I don't know about you, we, most of us have one or the other that we put all our time into and perhaps miss the other ones. Um, and yet all three need to be there in a pattern and a rhythm of our life so that in any given week can we say, where did the rest show up? Not both sleeping, which is good, um, but the rest that comes like the Sabbath rest. Where I'm sitting, waiting with the Lord and just having peace and letting him speak and letting all the other voices still for a while. Where is your genuine community where you're actually letting yourself be known and where you're knowing other people? Um, and that, that happens, which brings strength. And then where's the work happening? Um, both work and ministry kind of go together here. We're, as God's given us purpose and impact in all the places we go. So the question comes, what does it look like? Um, do you have a rhythm of rest and community and work? Or do you tend to be like me and it's um, work? There's three th- rhythms. It's called work, work, and work. Okay, they, they just you keep doing those things, right? And um, we do that sometimes because that's the one that's got the loudest voice, isn't it? Um, the one that cries out, that demands the attention. And so we give attention to those places. And then sometimes we, I give community time, but it's often just more people. Um, it's, it's not real community because I'm, I'm too tired to give myself. So I'm going to do the minimum there, right? Show up and, and leave, and that's not real community. I'm too, as we said last week, if you're balancing all the boxes, it doesn't invite anybody in because if somebody comes into that sphere, they're all going to fall down, right? A balanced, a balanced life is an isolated life because other people interfere with that. And we get too busy balancing boxes to let people know us and to ask our friends for help. And then lastly, some rest. And for rest, for many of us, is nothing more than some sleepless, restless hours in our bed. And that's not actually rest. Um, rest takes other forms, but we often forget them. And there's never any real deep rest and the goodness of God in their life, and to pay attention to it. And so we work out of weariness. As I said, for many of us, the life in the boxes and the racing around has become such an ingrained pattern that we don't even know where to begin. What do we do to change that? Because it just happens. And the minute we try to get in order, it just seems to happen again. Uh, Many of you know that I, I head out into the desert north of Benson once or twice a year, and I'm doing that again in October. Um, it's a good discipline for me anyways, and it's, it's, it's always life-giving. But if I'm really to be truthful about it, it is an act of desperation that these are not going to get put down unless I just, have to, I just have to do something extreme to get those boxes all finally to fall and to be away long enough to realize I can't pick them up again. Um, I have to bring to a grinding halt those unhealthy patterns um, and I get to a place where it's nothing short of like Elijah where you just couldn't go run somewhere to a cave going, God, you just tear it all down, all right? Because if, if I don't do this, it's just going to keep on going, going to keep on going. And that, by the way, is not the pattern 
that God calls us to, to go and go and go and then crash, even if he's right in that crash, and then pick up and go again. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. For all of us, um, something has to change. As I said, we consider the demands of Jesus. He moved with purpose and confidence. He, he was not driven by the urgency of the moment like we are. His life was, was rich in relationships, um, and he always worked from this place of rest, which gave him confidence about what he did. And I don't know about you, but um, I desperately want that because that's where refreshment comes from. That's where actual life comes from. That's where actual impact in our world shows up as everybody else runs around with their boxes. So a couple ideas for rhythms. Let me just give you a few. Um, the, first, the first step is to consider this, this, this pattern of, of rest and community and work. And just maybe it's, maybe it's just sitting journaling about it. Where, where are those things happening? Where are they not happening? And why aren't they happening? There's usually something behind that. There's something that's pushing us or, some, or a reason why we're avoiding one of them or not the other one. Sometimes I just want to stop and pay attention to the Lord because I'm not sure I really want to hear what he has to say. Or I don't want to be in community because I don't, I don't want people to know who I am. And so we'll avoid it. Um, so the first step um, in terms of determining some rhythms is consider the rhythms of rest, community, and work and reflect on them. Where are they showing up? Where are they not showing up and why? And then second of all, I'll give, just give you a few things to do. Consider, um, as I said, start with those three areas. Um, are they just uh, to, to consider them and write about them? And then I got this three other practical suggestions. One, um, very simple one, just create stopping points in your day or week. Just create some, some really simple, easy stopping points in your day because when we stop, the Holy Spirit can arrest our attention. And get a hold of it. So maybe not as simple as um, if you drive your car to work, getting there just a few minutes early and before you hop out of the car and off you go. I mean, people don't usually bother you in your car. Not usually. If you're in there and the windows are closed, they usually leave you alone. So you get there just a little early and just take, even if it's a couple minutes, you just take a breath and you offer up a prayer and you think through your day before you go in rather than rushing. So just those stopping points in the car. Perhaps it's your break time at work. Um, and rather than always being with everybody, maybe there's a time like every Wednesday at break time, I've got a little place I'm going to go hide out. I know where it's at. I've got 15 minutes. I'm going to go hide there. Um, for those of you who um, are fortunate enough to ever get a nap, um, that can be a, 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 a stopping point. Um, I know some of you walk. The, the walking can be a stopping point. It's just to, to, to say, even if it's just I'm going to get two laps around the block every night at 5 p.m., that's my stopping point in my day just to stop to let the Holy Spirit get a voice in your life. So create stopping points. Um, just kind of think creatively through your day and think where would those be so that you can make a stop in whatever it's doing and consider what God is doing in that day in your life. Secondly, use, use some rhythms that are already in place. We already have rhythms in place, so take advantage of the ones that you already have in place. Like I mentioned once, the whole thing of driving, um, Lots of us drive the same routes every single day. We're doing the same thing. We've got these routines of driving. Um, so how are you going to use that? It's, it's going to happen every day, right? You know what you're going to do. What are you going to do with the time? Rather than just letting it be wasted time, let it be a time of a rhythm. So perhaps it's if you're by yourself, it's no radio, and it's just silent. Um, or perhaps it's, the mu it's there's some kind of music that just really helps you pay attention to the Lord. You put that on. Perhaps if you have kids, it's, 
It's, it's your chance to be intentional about the conversations you have with your kids as you're driving and you're building community with your kids because you're, you've got some questions in place to ask. For some of you, I know that you put the scriptures on, on a, it's, you know, what are you using these days? Digitally put your, your whatever through wherever you've got it. Um, I still have a car with a cassette player in it, so what can I say? Um, uh, it's uh, to listen to the scriptures and that, because it's uninterrupted. You can listen. To, and there is something unique about listening to them rather than reading them sometimes. And just put that on, and that's going to be my time. I'm going to listen um, to the scriptures. So think through even like your driving. The second rhythm that's already in place um, for most of you, I'm assuming that we all eat um, at some point in the day. And we've got these rhythms of eating. For some of us, it's once a day. Some of us, it's twice, three times. Some of us, it's the little five, five times the small meals, whatever it is. Um, Use those patterns, those rhythms, to be intentional about what happens with that time. So you already got breakfast, lunch, and dinner in place. They're going to happen. So what are you going to do with those times? Perhaps it's crazy at, at, the, at the breakfast time and everybody's around. It's, it's time for community and connecting and talking about the day. Perhaps the lunch time, maybe two or three times a week, is you've, you've marked out that's going to be, I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to go hide out to eat my lunch. And then maybe there's two days a week that, no, I'm going to eat with people at work. I'm going to eat with somebody. I'm going to in, in, purposely engage in some community. And then dinner, whatever that looks like. But that rhythm is already there. Rather than just, i got to get d- dinner done, i got to eat, i got to hurry, get this done, and get on the next thing, use the rhythm that's already there to, effect, to, to step in and make, be intentional about pursuing rest there or community or perhaps some kind of ministry as well. And then the last one, and this is a big one, but... Um, We've talked about here in this church over the years and years, over and over again, but um, Sabbath keeping, just stepping into what does it look like to keep the Sabbath? What does it look like in my life? Um, and maybe it starts small. Maybe it's I'm at the service, and then I've got, I'm, I'm blocking out a couple hours. I'm just going to, this is what Sabbath looks like for me, just quiet. Sabbath is just about not producing. I'm not going to be one who just continues to create. I'm going to stop creating and remember that God's the only one that creates. That's basically what it is. So we can do all sorts of things with that time, but creating a block of time, it's not just a day to get all the chores done. Um, and unless, that, unless it's really restful for you, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not that. It's, it's to remember that God is the one who produces the work of our hands and not ourselves. So we, we quit doing all those things. Remember that God's the one in control. And like I said, if, if you don't get a whole day aside, for some people they do Saturday as their day for getting all the stuff done, and Sunday is their day. For you are, who are Saturday night people, you know, what does Saturday rest of the evening look like? Or even you've got the chance of tomorrow morning that you're not here. What do you do with that time? And just taking some steps to create some space. Um, the, one of the greatest condemnations that are given in the Old Testament against the Israelites was their failure to keep the Sabbath. Because when that rhythm is not in place, everything else begins to come apart. So explore some Sabbath keeping. I've got two books up here. <clears throat> There's lots of them, but just two recent ones. Uh, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton is just a really great um, great review of a lot of different, bringing rhythms, she even, even says they're uh, um, bringing rhythms for spiritual transformation. Good book, gives you lots of ideas. And then um, I think Tom's read this book. Um, I, I read it oh, a little while ago, but been, it's just a great book to challenge us. What does life look like? And how does God show up in it? And how do I pay attention to it? So Alan Fadling here, 
with um, an unhurried wife um, would be uh, another book I'd encourage you to read. One more um, idea of what you can do, and I've talked about this one before. The last, um, the last idea to help bring some rhythm is doing prayers of examine, um, which were developed by Ignatius of Loyola around 1500. How many are familiar with that? There's uh, some different ways to do it. Um, at the end of your day, um, there's a couple of steps, and they're very simple. It's just whenever the end of your day is, I don't know where that is for everybody, but when it, everything's finally all done and nobody's going to talk to you anymore and there's nothing else to do, and if the dishes are not done, you've already decided you don't care about it, and you're just going to bed, and you're finally there, is, is giving thanks. Think through your day and give thanks where God showed up, where you notice him showing up. And then consider in the day where he probably showed up, but you didn't pay attention. You didn't notice it, because God's always working. So thank God for the gifts of life on that day. Ask God to allow you to see the day as you've lived it in light of his will. Spend time reflecting on just thinking through the day. Where did you notice God's presence at work? Where did you miss it? And then again, give thanks for the day. Just end your day that way. Um, when we do it, as a matter of fact, we begin to start looking for God more often, is what we do. And then the morning, first thing in the morning, before you've done anything else, maybe you put your feet on the floor if you're, if you're at... at um, Maybe you need to get your, for some of us that are older, our blood has to get going, so we sit on the edge of the bed for a minute so we don't fall over. And um, offer God that day. Just offer it to him going, even think through, I know what I've got coming today. And offer it up to God afresh. Ask him to be present in your thoughts, in your actions, in your relationships, as, as you move um, on to live that day fully alive to his presence. Real two simple rhythms, at night and in the morning. And we'll start to create some rhythm of paying attention to God in our days. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, We are silent at the beginning of the day because God should have the first word. We are silent before going to sleep because God should have the last word. And a day to be, way to begin and a way to end our days that can bring some rhythm into our life. And like I said, the smallest steps begin to produce some rhythm. Um, and as we do so, we can begin to get freed from this balancing act and begin to experience, I think, more of the peace of God he desires to have us to. So I said, a couple of books to read. They'd be really helpful if, um, if your heart's engaged this way. I encourage you to do that. Brian, if you could bring the uh, music team up. One of, the, one of the rhythms that we have in place already is we get around this table every seven days. Every seven days we gather around. Um, Jesus is the focus as well as our host. And he invites all those who know him and have put their trust in him to come and gather around the table. It's a weekly rhythm to remind us of our great salvation, to remind us that our triune God is the only source of life, even though we've looked at all other places during the week. But remember, he's my only source. It's a weekly rhythm to remind us to give thanks for the cost that was paid for us, and it's a weekly rhythm to remind us that we, together, are one body. Um, so if, you're, if you know the Lord today, the table's for you. As I said, we, we just break off the bread and we dip it in the cup. Let me read from 1 Corinthians 11, and then we'll go right into our, our music tonight. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, 
When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen.
pobres. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you. Jesus, you. Jesus, at the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do, Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you, Jesus, you. the heavens Jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you from my heart to the heavens Jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you sing that again from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. center of your church Jesus be the center of your church and every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess you Jesus oh Jesus from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. 
it's all about you Cause it's all about you Yes, it's all about you For it's all about you Yes, it's all about you
thank you for clapping. Isn't it easier to join in with rhythm than balancing life? It's way easier, um, and that's how God intended it. As we're sent, um, I encourage you to grab the information about the Graduate Christian Fellowship. Be aware of what's happening. Joe and Emily will be here. They would love to tell you what happens across the street. And, um, and then talk with Mary about participating in the prayer thing beginning on September 10th. So as we are sent, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip each of you with every good, everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and forever and forever. Amen.